Thank you for listening to the sermon audio podcast from Greenwood Baptist Church in Weatherford, Texas. Now here's a message from our senior pastor, Brian Bond. All right, how's everybody doing today? All right, we're going to, we baptized you so you know, I think seven in the first service. So man, what a great day it's already been. Amen. And uh, we're going to start out in Acts today, but I'm going to, um, there are really some parallels and I'm going to talk a lot about what's going on in Israel and what that means for us here, what it means for our everyday lives. And so we're going to start in Acts 23 verse 10, and uh, we're going to go that in just a second. But um, there are a lot of parallels because I believe what we're seeing is um, an intensification of spiritual battles that are, that are taking place around the world. And wherever God begins to move, uh, the enemy responds. And there are uh, significant things that are going on today. And I, I think we're seeing that in the attacks on Israel and things we're seeing in our own country and really all over the world. And I believe that that is an answer to um, what God is doing. Um, over the last several months, I've seen in our church, and I've talked to pastors around in different places, there is just an increasing urgency to uh, to know God and to uh, for salvation and baptism. Um, what we're going we're gonna to baptize either this week or next week our 200th person of the year. And that's, that's a, a lot more than we normally do. God's good, yeah. But, you know, we've also seen correspondingly there's been an intensification of spiritual battles that have, that have come along with that. And, and that's not something to be scared of. Um, actually, that's something, man, that, that stirs my blood. I mean, I, I, I love that because what that means is that, that, A, God's moving and doing something, and B, that things are coming to a head. And that's what we're going to talk about today is I, I, I do believe that we're you know, we're in the fourth quarter. What that means, I don't know. I mean, I'm not going to try to tell you that, you know, Jesus is coming back next week or next month or next year. I have no idea, or even next decade. But what we can see, I believe, are things are building towards that. And there's scripture that helps us to understand that, and we're going to look at that today. But we're going to begin in Acts 23, verse 10, if you'd please stand in honor of the reading of God's word. As the conflict grew more violent, the commander was afraid they would tear Paul apart. So he ordered his soldiers to go and rescue him by force and take him back to the fortress. That night, the Lord appeared to Paul and said, be encouraged, Paul, just as you have been a witness to me here in Jerusalem, you must preach the good news in Rome as well. Thank you. You may be seated. You know, the, the interesting thing is whenever there is a a spiritual intensification in a battle, there are physical manifestations of that too. And we've seen that through the, what's happened to Israel. Um, that is 100% part of the spiritual battle. And then that happens when God's moving and people are being saved and lives are being changed. The enemy uses deception. We're going to talk about that, but there are also physical elements. You know, Job was struck physically. Um, there were uh, enemies that came at different times. They're, they're, that's part of it. And what Satan tries to do is to increase lawlessness. And we've seen that in our own country and, and around the world is um, a reluctance to even enforce existing laws and allowing 
people to become lawless. And that results in more crime. It results in, in dangerous situations and places. And those things go together. And so we're going to talk about, um, as you can see, this conflict growing more violent. As you know, it started out at Pentecost, man, you know, the, the Spirit of God came down, people were saved, and the whole city's talking about it and rejoicing. And now we're back in that same city, and they're, they're trying to kill the guy who's preaching it, okay? And they're trying to, to, to violently attack him. And so what's happened is, is that Satan has reacted, and, and that happens by physical action sometimes, okay? Not every time, but sometimes. And so the Romans had to go back in and save Paul by force and pull him out. And so we're going to talk about what that means to us. We're going to talk about what, it, what we all should be doing. And we're going to talk about what to look for and what the signs are that we're moving toward that time. And so anyway, now we're going to, um, we're going to go to Matthew chapter 24, and we're going to be in this chapter quite a bit. Jesus talked a lot during this time about what was going to happen. The disciples came and said, okay, what's going to happen before you come back? Excuse me. Wow, that would have been disastrous. That's why I have a lid on it, man. See, it, I can't spill it. I'm smarter than that. I know, I know me. I knock stuff over sometimes. So they said, how will we know the sign that you're coming back? And so he starts to tell them in uh, Matthew 24, 4 through 14. He says, Jesus told them, don't let anyone mislead you. For many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah. They will deceive many, okay? And we are in a time, one of the signs uh, that, that is at the coming of the age of Christ's return is an age of deception. And it's, it's repeated over and over again. They will deceive many. Many will be deceived. They will deceive many. That's repeated over and over. And we live now in a time really of, of more deception than maybe any other time in the world. I'm not... You know, I didn't live during those times, but I can tell you that it's amazing to me how people are deceived over things that are obviously not true. I mean, how much time over the last year have people spent arguing over whether a man is a man or a woman is a woman? I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous. But you have people that are willing to commit violence on behalf of one or the other. Laws that are being passed. Things are being changed. You now have biological males competing in women's sports on the Olympic level and on every level un 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 below that because people are scared to stand up and say, hey, that's just wrong. When it's, it shouldn't even be an area of discussion. You're either a dude or a lady. And, you know, I was... I listen to old rock sometimes, and that Aerosmith song came on, Dude Look Like a Lady. Y'all remember that? Dude Look Like a Lady. Sorry, I probably should have done that. But I'm like, you know, that, that's not a very politically correct song right now. I don't know if they could even sing that anymore. That's probably, people be going all crazy. But it, it's one or the other. And, and yet people are so deceived that they can, that they, some people, it appears they honestly believe that a man can become a woman or a woman can become a man. When it's, biologically impossible. God created male and female, and you, you don't get to recreate them in another way. It doesn't work that way. And yet we're, people are so deceived that they're willing to fight for the illusion of something to make sure that somebody's called the right pronoun or whatever else. We live in an age of deception. You see that in the culture around us, and you see it in the church. What's happened in the church is people are being deceived into believing that they can sin any way they want to and it doesn't really matter. 
that, well, God didn't really mean that in his word. God didn't really mean this, and that didn't really mean what you think it means. And really, God just loves everybody and wants everybody to be happy. And that's deception. You know what? There's nowhere in Scripture that God says, hey, I just want everybody to be happy. He doesn't say that. He says he wants us to know joy and peace. You know how you know that? By knowing Jesus. Jesus is peace. A relationship with God is peace. And you'll never find it outside of that. And the way to have a right relationship with God is to be made right with him through the redemptive blood of Jesus and by declaring him as our Savior and Lord and living his way and living in relationship with him. Not with our idea of who we want him to be, but of who he really is. And so here's the thing. We live in this age now of deception. And it's amazing to me also, you know, you had a group of people that went over and attacked civilians and killed women and children, babies even, kidnapped people, brutalized. I mean, it's one of the most awful thousands of people, hundreds, hundreds and hundreds of them, lots of them children. And then the first thing you saw was protests about what Israel was going to do about it. I mean, that was shocking to me. It was almost like those acts didn't happen or they didn't count. It was all just, hey, well, y'all leave these, these other people alone. I mean, there were, let me tell you how much things have changed. 9-11 was a, uh, um, it was a seminal moment for, for many of us, if you were alive during that time. I mean, probably anybody that was an adult, and a lot of teenagers, kids maybe even, can tell you exactly what they were doing when they heard about 9-11. I mean, it, it, it changed the way we saw the world in a moment. And... That night, you could see in Gaza, where, where the conflict's going on right now, the people in the streets that were celebrating what happened at 9-11. And that was shocking to me. But what was even more shocking to me this last week was after what happened to Israel, when babies are killed, children, elderly, all kinds of people, and you saw protests going on all over the world, even in our own country, in support of the people who did the murdering. And you can try to separate if you want, but Hamas is the legally elected government of Gaza right now. They were voted by those people that live there, the same people that celebrated when 9-11 happened in this, in this country. So make no mistake, they hate us, and they hate Israel too. And yet we had in our own country, some of our elected officials and across universities in New York and San Francisco in different places celebrating or protesting against any kind of response against people who had just gone and murdered hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of innocent people. It shocked me. That's where we are now. Okay? That's where we are. And so we need to understand that there is a, we live in a time of deception and people will try to spin and use words or whatever to make something seem like something that it is not. Now, we're going to talk about how I believe we should support Israel, and I do, but it's not an unqualified support. It doesn't mean that whatever Israel does, we're behind them. They got to do right for sure. But at the same time, we're going to support that country. I believe it is, it's scriptural for us to support and to pray for Jerusalem, to pray for Israel. But we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. But it talks about the age of deception. And then it says where we're at too. 
and you will hear of wars and threats of wars, but don't panic. Yes, these things must take place, but the end won't follow immediately. Nation will go to war against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And we're right there right now. There are nations involved. Iran, Qatar, um, Lebanon, Hezbollah began to attack. And the United States said that they would respond to any attacks from Hezbollah against Israel. That was the intent, I believe, was to get another nation. That's one of the big points, is they want to stir up a huge war against Israel from a bunch of different countries. And so those things are, are going to go on. They've been going on for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. Okay, it goes all the way back to, to the seed of Abraham. Ishmael, Isaac, and, and all of the, the conflict that came through them. This has been going on for thousands of years. And the Arabs believe that they are the child of the promise through Abraham. God's word says that Israel are the children of promise that come from Abraham. And there has been conflict between those two tribes, and there will, and there will be conflict to the end of time. And so the fact that there's a war going on is not necessarily, oh, well, that's the fulfillment of prophecy, because the prophecy said there will be wars and rumors of war, so multiples. So this may be just one of another one. There may be more coming. There may be another time where things settle down, and then there's another one, but there'll always be another one. Okay, there's always going to be conflict over there. One of the things that has interested, that I think is interesting to look at is, in light of everything going on in the world with the, the war going on between, between Ukraine and Russia and the infiltration, or however you want to call it, of different Muslim countries into other countries, um, Great Britain is almost outnumbered. They've allowed so many, there are so many Muslims that live there. There were 50, even though it was, they'd passed a law against protesting on behalf of Hamas, there were 50,000 people in the streets of London yesterday protesting on their behalf. 50,000. And they, there were so many, they couldn't do anything about it. And now I saw figures, they're up to about 30% Muslim in, in Britain now. How long do you think it's going to be before there's a, a majority there. And so there are different things that are going on around the world, nation against nation, kingdom against kingdom. And there are countries and then there are people groups. You know, the Palestinians are not a country. They've never been a country. There's never been a Palestine. Um, but they're, they're a people group. The most, one of the interesting things is back in Old Testament days, a lot of those peoples you read about are gone. They just kind of got absorbed into other cultures. But for thousands of years, the Jews have remained as a separate tribe. And they have endured throughout centuries because of God's promise. And they will continue to endure because of God's promise. Now, are they still in rebellion before God because they rejected the Messiah? Absolutely. But God is going to maintain and keep his word to them. And at some point, the Bible tells there'll be a revival amongst the Jews, and there'll be a group of them who'll be saved, whether that's during the, the tribulation or right before that, I don't know, but there'll be a group of them who will be redeemed. So there's, there's going to be wars against nation and kingdom against kingdom. We have to look out for that war kingdom against kingdom here in our country, because there are um, different groups of people or different people groups that are going to try and take power. And they're going to try to enforce their laws and, and their beliefs on everyone else. And so that's something we have to be aware of. 
Then it says there'll be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world. It's really amazing that we have such a, a fruitful world, and yet still there are always people that cannot get food. And the, I read a study the other day, a scientific study about earthquakes in, in particular, about how they're increasing in uh, number and also in intensity. That's been increasing over the last uh, 50 to 60 years. And so that's a sign. That's one of the signs that we look for about what's to come. Then he says, but all this is only the first of the birth pains with more to come. Then you'll be arrested, prosecuted, and killed. You'll be hated all over the world because you are my followers. That's happening right now. There are people who are being arrested and put to death because of their faith in Christ in different countries around the world. There are a number of countries that are um, uh, uh, trying to eliminate believers. And that's been going on for a while, and it'll continue to go on. And that's especially true in a lot of the Muslim countries around the world. Now, I'm not trying to tell you to hate Muslims, but you need to understand what Mos the, that, that religion is. It is opposed to Christians, as opposed to anyone who does not follow, who does not convert. And it is legal in those religions to put those people to death, and sometimes even required. So that is just them following their belief system. And so here's the deal. One of the things that amazes me is some of the people that are protesting on their behalf, if they went over and lived there, they could put them to death legally because of the way they live or their lifestyle or whatever, and yet they're over here protesting them. That's part of the, the life of deception that we're living. But we need to be careful. We need to be on the alert for that. We need to understand we're a minority around the world. Christians are a minority. Now, there might be enough that people still say, well, it's a, we're a Christian nation or whatever, but that's just most of the time nominal belief. People that are actually following Christ, we're a minority. And there are people within the church, quote the church, who are against people who are actually trying to follow the teachings of Christ. So be careful about that. It says there will, there will be arrested, persecuted, and killed, hated all over the world. And here's what it says, many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other. And that's what I was talking about from within the church, that there are people that they want to have some of the guise of religion without actually following the teachings of Christ and the teachings of the word of God. And so you need to be aware of people. In some ways, they're the most dangerous. The only people that can betray you are people that are close to you. And so be careful about those who claim to be Christians and yet their lives do not reflect that. Now, nobody's perfect. I'm not trying to say only hang out with perfect people because I'm the only one y'all can hang out with. I'm just kidding. I was joking. I'm, I'm not. <laughs> Trust me. Don't come to my house. All right, it ain't perfect. But here's the deal. None of us are perfect. But look for people that are, that are genuinely consistently trying to follow the things of God. Okay, it doesn't mean they won't make mistakes, they will. But people who deny the word of God while they say they're following Christ, beware. People who say, oh, well, that's not really a sin anymore. That doesn't matter. Blah, 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 you're just being judgy. Those are people to be aware of, okay? Now, many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other, and many false prophets will appear, and here's those words again, and will deceive many people. Sin will be rampant everywhere, and the love of many will grow cold. 
We're seeing the results of that. You're seeing around our country sin being rampant. I mean, you see on the streets people openly doing drugs, violence that is not being addressed, violent criminals that are being released without any kind of penalties. That's happening all over the country. Laws that are just being ignored. You know, we have laws to protect our border, and they're just being ignored. We have all kinds of laws about crime that are not being enforced. And as sin becomes rampant, there becomes more of a physical manifestation of evil in an area. And I, I don't think, I don't care who you are, how you believe, I don't really think there could even be debate that, that America is more violent and there is much more crime now than there was 50 years ago, 100 years ago or whatever. I, that's not even a debate. I mean, that's not even a question. I mean, you hear all the time, well, you know, they didn't have these, and mass shootings are horrible. I mean, those are horrible things. But I'm old enough, I can remember guys pulling up into our high school parking lot and having guns and racks in the back of the truck and nobody even noticing. And now, it's totally different. What is the difference? Is it the fact that there are different guns? Yeah, there's some, those guns were around back then too. Don't be deceived. They've been around since the 50s or even longer. All right? So it's not that there's guns. It's that people's, the morality of our people has changed. There's, there's something off. There's something that has gone off the rails, and that comes through deception and allowing sin to be rampant. And that's what's happened. You know, there were, there were battles that people decided, you know what, that's really not, that, not worth fighting, that we probably should have fought 40, 50, 60, 80, 100 years ago. And we've allowed those things to go, go along. You know, there are things that we should have fought harder for, I believe, because every little bit of ground given up when it comes to sin is ground that is probably lost forever. You can't get it back when you talk about a nation. And those things are becoming rampant. Sin is rampant, and the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. Now, I know that's a pretty bleak picture, but here's what I want you to know. That, that, that stirs my blood. That means God's doing something. The enemy's ramping up because God's doing something. People are being saved. God's moving towards his plan, and it will not be stopped. God's promised to watch over his people, and that promise is still true. And here's the thing. When you look back through the Old Testament, when you see some of the things that we talk about now, thousands of years later, about the greatness of God, it happened in times of great, con great crisis and conflict. You know, when God released his people from Egypt, that came through a conflict. The people of Egypt chased them down. The armies did, and we're going to bring them back into captivity. And God stopped them, gave a way through the ocean. They walked across dry land through the middle of the sea. And then God destroyed all their enemies right in front of them and said, I want you to see how great and how powerful I am and what I will do to protect you. When they went through the wilderness, God provided for them. They had nothing to eat. God gave them food. They had nothing to drink. God gave them water. Armies came against them. They defeated them. Time and time again, when they came into the promised land, they went up against a, a land of giants and they won. And they cleared the land and they took what God had given them. 
And so we're, we're also in that part. We may be way outnumbered. We're like a little group going into the promised land, and there's all these nations that are against us, but our God is greater than they are. And we're going to get to see God do some great and mighty things in the days ahead. So don't keep your eyes on, oh, man, that looks bad. That looks bad. Think about, man, God's going to do something awesome. And we're going to get to be a part of it. The one who endures to the end will be saved. And here's the best part. The good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it and then the end will come. That's our part. Preach the good news. Keep doing the things that, that allow the gospel to be shared. You know, I don't know where we're at in the process. There's the next prophesied event is, is Christ coming for the church. So anybody tries to tell you, hey, there's, I want to tell you about this prophecy that's being fulfilled and this one. Everything has been fulfilled in preparation for Christ returning to Christ returning. That's the next prophesied thing. All these other things, there are signs that something's going on, but there's nothing I'm going to be able to point to. Oh, see, this is going on. That means that it's, it's going to happen in five years. I, there's nothing like that. Jesus didn't know when it was going to happen. But at some point, Jesus is going to return. And if we're here in church, we be, we're going to be gone. We're going to go up and meet Jesus in the air. And if you're left behind, you need to pray that prayer. I'm going to pray at the end of the service right then. All right? Because, you know, here's part of that urgency that comes. For years, we've been, we've been trying to, hey, man, you need to get baptized. You need to take the next step. Yeah, 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 I will. We got people coming to us now. We're having to go, hey, slow down. We want to make sure you know what decision you made. There's an urgency there in people to be right with God. And that's an awesome thing to see. Okay? And so here's, the, here's part of what's going on is that God's intensifying the work of his spirit in his people and outside drawing people to Christ. And we want to continue to be a part of that first. That's our first goal and our first priority is to be a part of preaching the good news about the kingdom throughout the world. We have a mission group that's in Colorado with one of the churches that we um, are sponsoring. It's a church plant up there. We're taking a trip to, to Honduras um, within the next year. And in the next year or two, we're going to be taking one to Africa. And I would encourage you, whether it's here in the United States or it's abroad, go on a mission trip. Go somewhere and, and preach the good news around the world. Be a part of, of, of filling the commission. Support people who can if you can't go. Man, when I, I've been to Haiti several times, and those trips, as, as much as I, I do believe that God blessed the people there, he blessed me a lot more for those trips and taught me probably more than I taught them. And, and I wouldn't trade those experiences for anything. Go be on a mission trip. Now, yeah, you need to do it here, but find one of them you can go to and go. And, and, and it's an amazing experience. Be a part of preaching the good news of the kingdom around the world. Now, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen after the, the Christ comes for the church. That's called the rapture, okay? And he's not coming to the earth. That's not the second coming. The Bible says that we will meet him in the air, okay? And we'll talk about that at the very end, but we're going to meet him in the air because he's not coming back to the earth, all right? There are other things that are going to happen here after that. And the reason they're important is you can see that it's building towards that now. In Daniel chapter 9, it says there will be a ruler, and the ruler will make a treaty with the people for a period. It's talking about those in Jerusalem, the Israelites, and the, the enemies around them. For a period of one set of seven, but after half this time, he will put an end to the sacrifices and offerings. 
And as a climax to all his terrible deeds, he will set up a sacrilegious object that causes desecration until the fate decreed for this defiler is finally poured out on him. There are prophecies that the temple will be restored at some point. Right now there's a mosque over the temple, okay, where the temple site is of Solomon's temple. And so what it's talking about is the object of desecration is he's going to bring something, a statue of himself for people to worship or something that is an offense to God will be brought into the temple area, okay? And that's the, the, um, the object of desecration. And that's going to happen about three and a half years through that piece. And if you look over there now, you can see how things are being set up. That somebody in one of those countries around or outside that has ties to both will be able to come in and broker some kind of peace that will make a period of time where there'll be peace there, and then he's going to break it. He's not doing it because he's trying to get peace. He's doing it because he's trying to get power, okay? Jesus talked about it in Matthew 24, so we're back to Matthew 24, and we'll be there um, for a while now. It says, the day is coming when you will see what Daniel the prophet spoke about, the sacrilegious object that causes desecration standing in the holy place. That's in the temple. Reader, pay attention. Then when that happens, those in Judea, those who are left in Israel, must flee to the hills. And it talks about how you don't, don't wait around. Um, it's a time of calamity. Go. It says unless that, in verse 22, unless that time of calamity is shortened, not a single person will survive. But it will be shortened for the sake of God's chosen ones. And that's talking about the time of tribulation. And those who are, who are not taken up with Christ will be here. So those who don't have a relationship with him are going to see that in person. Um, then he goes on, all right? And then at um, uh, verses 30 through 36, then at last the sign that the Son of Man is coming will appear in the heavens. There'll be something in the heavens, in the skies, that are going to indicate that Christ is coming back. It doesn't say what that is, but that he's, his, his coming is imminent. And it says, there will be deep mourning among all the peoples of the earth. And they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And so this time he's coming. He's not going to come like he did before. He's coming with power. In Revelation, it talks about there'll be thunderbolts that will come from his, eye, from his mouth. And um, he, will, he will come with a sword this time. When he comes back again to the earth, it will be for judgment for those who have not trusted in him and those who are enemies of God it says he will send out his angels with the mighty blast of a trumpet and they will gather his chosen ones from all over the world from the farthest ends of the heaven the earth and heaven there will be some who will be saved during the tribulation and so um, now learn a lesson from the fig tree when its branches bud and its leaves begin to sprout you know that summer is near in the same way you when you see all these things you can know his return is very near right at the door. I tell you the truth, this generation will not pass from the scene until all these things take place. And he's not talking about the generation he was talking to in that moment. He's talking about the ones that were there in the last times, okay, when all this began to happen. Heaven and earth will disappear, but my words will never disappear. However, no one knows the day or hour when these things will happen. Not even the angels in heaven or the Son himself, only the Father knows. So what he's telling us is, that's the, the next thing that happens is going to be when Christ comes for the church. Then there's the second coming at some point during the tribulation. Some people believe it'll be three and a half years. Some people believe it'll be seven years in. That's the time of tribulation. 
There's different beliefs on that. I don't care. I'm going to be with Jesus anyway. So whatever that is, I don't care. I ain't arguing with anybody about that one because um, I'm going to be with Christ. All right. Now, when he comes back, we're going to come back with him. All right. We're going to be we're going to be warriors with him. And um, uh, he's going to come back to the earth. But what it does say is that you can look at the signs. He points to this tree and says, hey, when this tree begins to bud, you know, summer's near. Well, if you look around the world and you see, you can see that things are moving towards that. That we're, we're, we're getting to that place. That the nation versus nation thing is happening. There are wars going on. There are rumors. There's, there's constantly, well, what about this? What is this nation going to get involved? What are they going to do? There are all kinds of, you know, we got trouble with China. We got trouble with Russia. Now we got trouble with some middle, with Iran and other Middle Eastern nations. What's going to happen? There's all kinds of rumors of wars. What's going to happen next is it, you can see how things are beginning to build. Now, I don't know if that means it's a year, a week, a decade. I, I don't know. I don't know when it's going to be, but you can see signs that tell you that things are moving in that direction. And so that's what we need to do is be aware and to be alert. So what do we do as the battle intensifies? Number one, pray for the peace of Jerusalem, Psalm 122, 6 through 9. May all who love this city prosper. O Jerusalem, may there be peace within your walls and prosperity in your palaces. For the sake of my family and friends, I will say, may you have peace. For the sake of the, the house of the Lord our God, I will seek what is best for you, O Jerusalem. I believe that we're to, to stand with Israel. Um, they're God's chosen people. They are, uh, they'll still have an opportunity, many of them, to receive Christ. We want them to come to know Jesus. And we also want to pray for peace for them and for their protection. Um, it doesn't mean unqualified support. Like I said, if they do something wrong, we say it's wrong, but we still support them. We're still behind Israel, okay? That's what I believe the Scripture tells us. Second thing is, we trust God first. Psalm 121. Anytime you're in fear about things going on in the world, read that, read that psalm. I look up to the mountains. Does my help come from there? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let you stumble. The one who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel never slumbers or sleeps. The Lord watches over you. The Lord stands beside you as your protective shade. The Lord keeps you from all harm and watches over your life. The Lord keeps watch over you as you come and go, both now and forever. So God's watching over us. We need to trust him first. Okay? And no matter what happens, God, I trust you. Okay? And, and knowing that the, the, I think that what's happened in these different countries where there are outbreaks even of violence, I believe that's slowly going to spread over, over the earth into other countries, even into this one, you know, and, and Hey, I love where we live. I mean, I, if somebody calls and said, Hey, we're thinking about coming to having a pro Hamas demonstration down at the courthouse, I'd say, bro, I'm just going to tell you, I would not advise it. I don't think it'd be a good idea to do right here. Okay. Even if they're a friend of mine, I'd say, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't suggest that. You know, I, I, we feel kind of insulated here, but at some point it's going to touch us. Now it may be soon. It may be a long time down the road. First thing we've got to do is trust God and continue to follow him. Second thing is, is that it's okay to resort to, to, and to call on our leaders to protect us legally. In Acts, that chapter, the, the commander, when he couldn't figure out why the Jews were so mad at Paul, took him in and was going to have him lashed to find out to make him confess his crime. 
And in Acts 22, 24 through 27, Paul says, he wanted, when they tied Paul down to lash him, Paul said to the officer standing there, is it legal for you to whip a Roman citizen who hasn't even been tried? When the officer heard this, he went to the commander and asked, what are you doing? This man is a Roman citizen. And so there's nothing wrong with appealing to the laws of the land as a means of protection, okay? It, was, it did not make Paul any more spiritual if he just said, well, I'm gonna take my whipping as opposed to saying, hey, I'm a Roman citizen, you can't legally do this, and it stopped it. There's nothing wrong with us calling on our elected leaders and saying, enforce the laws that are on the books. Protect our border. It's insane to me that we have let millions of people walk into our country. We have no idea who they are, why they're here, or what they came for. Are there some that came looking for a better life? I'm sure there are. Are there some that came with evil intents? I know there are. You know, they've captured and caught over 3,000 people who were on terrorist watch lists trying to infiltrate our country through that border. That's just the number they've caught. So uh, we don't know what they have let or who they have let into our country. There's nothing wrong with saying, hey, we have compassion for people. We want people to be able to have a better life, but we also have laws that determine how you enter our country. What's legal and what is not? Enforce the laws. There's nothing unspiritual about enforcing laws of protection. There's an entire book of the Bible where one of God's servants goes before God and gets his help to go back to Jerusalem to help rebuild a wall so that the people inside Jerusalem would be protected. There's nothing unspiritual about using laws and protecting yourself and protecting your family. Okay, now I don't know where you live or what your situation is. Maybe you live way out in the middle of nowhere. But for most of us, I would suggest locking your doors at night, taking some precaution. There's nothing wrong with protecting yourself and your family. And I'm going to tell you this up front. There are people out there, you know, a lot of, well, you know, these people are hungry or whatever. But if somebody breaks in the front door of my house, I'm going to respond with violence to protect my family. And, and if you think that's uns, unspiritual or unscriptural, I would just refer you to the scripture. David's running away from Saul because he's gone nuts and is trying to kill him. He goes to the temple and says, hey, do you have a sword? And the, the uh, priest replies, I only have the sword of Goliath, the Philistine, who you killed in the valley of Elah. The priest replied, it is wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. It was right there in the temple, in the synagogue. Okay? Take that if you want it, for there's nothing else here. There's nothing like it, David replied. Give it to me. David carried a sword. David was a warrior. There were times God told him to go up and attack people. There were times God told him to go and protect other Israelites against those who were coming to do them harm. There are people out there who are overcome by evil. And are there people that come up and they just want five bucks? Sure, don't attack them. But there are also people who will kill you or harm your family just because they've given themselves over to evil. And you have a right, God-given right to protect yourself. Well, you know, maybe I need to learn jujitsu. Hey, if that's your thing, do it. I'm not going to tell you how to do it, but I am going to tell you, there's, God doesn't have a prohibition against weapons. Now, people try out that verse. The Bible says, if you live by the sword, you die by the sword. That's talking about people that, that profit and live by being violent against other people. Thieves, robbers, and murderers. In uh, Luke chapter 22, 
Jesus is trying to prepare the disciples for what's coming because he knows the battle's going to intensify again as he goes towards the cross. And so he tells them, he says, look, when I sent you out to preach the good news and you didn't have money, a traveler's bag or an extra pair of sandals, did you need anything? No. He said, well, I gave you everything you needed. When you're out there preaching, you had everything you needed. He said, but now take your money in a traveler's bag. And if you don't have a sword, sell your cloak and buy one. Jesus tells them, get a sword. Get a weapon to defend yourself. <laughs> now, there's all kinds of people. that You can hear all kinds of arguments. Well, he didn't mean meta. He just meant metaphorically. He didn't really mean an actual sword. Well, here's the next part of these verses. For the time has come for this prophecy about me to be fulfilled. He was counted among the rebels. Yes, everything written about me by the prophets will come true. That's going to intensify the fight against not only him, but also against his disciples. Look, Lord, they replied, we have two swords among us. That's enough, he said. So when he told them, get a sword, they're like, we already got two. They were already carrying concealed weapons. Okay, because they weren't out in the open. They already had two swords. So... If that's not your thing, I'm not telling you to go do that. But what I am telling you is there's nothing wrong with having a weapon to protect yourself and to protect your family. Okay? If you need help learning how to do it, we've literally, we used to offer, we had a guy who came here to our church. We offered concealed carry license courses here in this church, and we'll do it again. And we took hundreds of people through those things because we wanted people to be able to protect their families. Single women, we would let them go through for free. Anybody that wanted, we'd help them find a firearm to make themselves feel safer, and we'd help them learn how to do it. And we'll do that again, too. Now, I, I, let me tell you something. That's the last resort. That's the last uh, vestige that you have for protection. But I'm telling you right now, I, I know I ain't the only duck hunter in this room. Somebody tries to attack, attack us with paragliders, they're going to have a hard time. I've shot a lot of geese that fly a lot faster than any paragliders, I'm going to tell you that. That's all I'm going to say about that. But here's the deal. There's nothing wrong with taking measures that you're comfortable with to be able to protect yourself and to protect your family. And we'll support you in that. We have armed security all around this church. We have them watching over our children's areas, youth areas when they're there, on Sundays and on Wednesdays. There are people here in our sanctuary. And many of them, maybe most of them are are law enforcement or former law enforcement. And then there's other people that have been trained as well. We have a training program. If you'd like to be a part of it, talk to Sonny or uh, some of the guys that are on our security team. You probably don't know who they are. We don't have them wear shirts. They're um, undercover or whatever you want to call them. Except for uh, Sonny who brings in our, my, my bomb dog in the first service. Everybody knows him. But um, if you want to be a part of that, fine. You need help learning. You want to be able to protect your family. We'll help you with that too. So, there's nothing un unspiritual about protecting your family and being prepared. Now, the main thing is this, okay? Second Peter, it says, um, it talks about why is it that God's still waiting? And here's the big thing. It says, you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. Second Peter 3, 8. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord and a thousand years is like a day. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promises, some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be des destroyed, but everyone to repent. But the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. Okay, so what this means is what God's waiting on is to give people that last opportunity to come to Christ. 
You know, here's, here's the deal. I don't know, you don't know, but there's somebody, and God already knows their name, that is going to be the last person saved before Christ comes back from the church and before all these things move forward. And our job is to, is to spread the good news and to get to that person. And what an awesome thing it would be if you or me or somebody else was leading the last person to Christ that was the one that God said, this is the last one. And then Jesus comes back. Because I'm, I'm ready for that. Anybody else? I'm ready for that right now. I don't even like heights, but I'm excited about meeting Jesus in the sky. I'm ready for that one. I'm ready to fly. I'm going to fly right. I hope I'm going to, you know, if it comes while I'm alive, I'm going to fly right out of here. And I hope y'all are all with me. But, but we're going to go. And, I, and I'm excited about that. But we need to keep doing the important thing. The important thing is to continue living a life that's worthy of Christ. Because that's the other thing. Do you want Jesus to come back the way and, and find you the way you're living right now? If the answer is no, here's the solution. Repent. Fix it. There's a reason why that word repent almost always has an exclamation point behind it. Hey, it's an immediate thing. Do it now. Get right before God. Be living a life that is worthy of your calling of Christ Jesus. Be living in such a way that if Jesus were to come back, you're like, all right, I've been doing what I can. I'm not perfect, but I've been living in such a way that I've been trying to honor God. I'm ready to meet him. I'm ready to see him face to face. I don't want to go, hold on, Jesus. I need to get some things straight first. I, I want to be ready, and I hope that you are too. And then the next prophecy, the next thing that's going to happen is what I'm going to read to you now. First Thessalonians 4. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. First, the believers who have died will rise from their graves. Then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. So encourage each other with these words. So that's the encouragement. That as bad as things get, and they're, they're going to get worse, all it is for us is a sign that we're closer to that day when Jesus is going to come down and take all of us to be with him forever. And that is an encouragement, and that's what we should look forward to. Now, I've already given a word to believers that are, that are not living a life that they want to be found with when Christ comes back. Repent. Get it right. And the second part of that is, look, this, this day's going to come, and we're, we're not going to know. We're not going to have a warning. It's not going to be like a countdown. Hey, 30 days until Jesus gets back. It ain't happening that way. It's just going to happen. And you want to know that you're in right relationship with God. Don't keep putting that off. Get right with him. Because, you know, here's the thing. If you're like, eh, I don't know. And if you're not willing to do that when there's a room full of people that will celebrate with you and encourage you in your decision, what do you think you're going to do when that day comes and every other believer is gone? And your heart's not right with God because you've never trusted him as your savior and confessed him as your Lord. And you're here by yourself. What are you going to do then? Because I know, well, I'll do it then. If you're not going to do it when you have all these people that are with you, are you really going to do it when everybody that's left is going to be against you? 
So here's the thing. I'm not trying to scare you. If it would work, I'd scare anybody into heaven. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't regret that one bit. It's going to be honest. Ain't nobody going to get up there and go, man, I sure wish you hadn't scared me into heaven. You think there'd be anybody doing that? I'm not trying to scare you. I'm trying to give you the facts. And those are the facts. And the facts are this. Not one of us knows how much time we have. And you're going to have a last opportunity to trust Jesus. And it may be 20 years from now, and it may be now. So that's why the Bible always says today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of salvation. So for anyone who would like to, if you'd like to know that your sins are forgiven, to know that you have peace with God, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. I'm going to ask everyone to bow your heads, close your eyes, and I want to lead anyone who would like to to pray this prayer with me. You can repeat it after me, or you can just pray it in your own words, just pray it in your heart. God will hear you either way. But if you'd like to know that your sins are forgiven, you're right with God, you pray this with me right now. Dear God, thank you for loving me and thank you for Jesus. God, I know I'm a sinner. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and life and cleanse me and make me yours. I know Jesus is your son. I know that he died on the cross for my sins. And I know that he rose again on the third day to give me life. So today, I trust Jesus as my Savior, and I confess him as my Lord. Now, if you prayed that prayer, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm not going to ask you to stand up. You don't have to say anything in front of anybody. All I'm going to ask you to do is this. If you pray that prayer today, I want you to look up at me and keep looking until I see you. I want to encourage you and I want to pray for you. So if you prayed that today, look up at me right now. Okay. All right. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. All right. Now, it's important that you tell someone. There's different ways you can do it. There's a number on the screen. You can just text SAVE to that number. And we'll, someone will get back with you. They'll text you back. And we'll set up a time to either talk to you on the phone or in person, answer any questions you have about your decision, and also to talk to you about the next steps in following Jesus. We're not going to ask you for anything. We're not going to put you on a list. You don't even have to join our church. As a matter of fact, if you need to go somewhere else, that's fine. We'll help you find one. We want you to be somewhere where you can grow and follow Christ and learn in your new relationship with Him. But we would love to help you. We'd love to do that. And it's important that you tell someone. If you'd like to talk to someone today, there'll be staff members around at the end of the service. Just get with one of them. And they'll, there are men and women here that would, would love to just sit down and spend a little bit of time with you today if you'd like to do that today. But tell someone. So right now, I just want to pray for you and thank you for being here. I want to celebrate. When you prayed that prayer of faith and you meant it, in that moment, you were changed. You now belong to Christ. You are His. And you will always be His. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your love and your mercy. And I thank you for these that have come to 
faith in you today. I pray that you would encourage them. I pray that you would fill them with your love and your peace and your mercy. And Father, thank you for your goodness and your love to us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Sermon Audio Podcast from Greenwood Baptist Church in Weatherford, Texas. Now here's a message from our senior pastor, Brian Bond.